Hey, I want to welcome you to NYA. If you're new, my name's Andy Steiger. I'm the young adults pastor here. Uh, for the last uh, number of months, you know, since we kicked things off in September, we have been slowly working our way through the book of Colossians. And so we're going we're gonna to continue on that trajectory, but we're, we're nearing a conclusion here. If you've flown very much, you know that your flight is coming to a landing shortly when the, when the, uh, the, uh, the stewardess begin to take their seats. You know what I'm talking about? When, when the pilot comes on and tells the flight attendants, you can grab your seat, you know this plane's coming for a landing. Well, we are in that sort of landing mode at the moment. You can, you know, the, the, the flight attendants are taking their seats. We're coming in for a landing, but we're not quite landing the plane tonight. Uh, next NYA, John Mulder is going to be coming up, and he's going to be finishing off the book of Colossians, and I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a good time. But what we're going to be doing is, is really looking at uh, the Apostle Paul beginning to close this letter to the church in Colossae. And as you remember when we began, I hope you remember when we began in September, what I talked on was Paul's opening to this church, and, and his opening was this, what I called a Colossians 1 vision. Paul began by encouraging this church to be a type of community that commits themselves to praying, that commits themselves to faith and to hope and to love. And one of the things that, that we talked about and that we talk a lot about here is that that's the kind of community that we would like to be. We'd like to be that kind of community that prays for each other, kind of community that has faith and hope, kind of community that love one another. As we begin to come uh, uh, and conclude this book, what, what the Apostle Paul does is he kind of circles back in chapter four. And if you have your Bible, you can turn with me there. We're in uh, Colossians chapter four. I'm going to be looking at verses two to six. And he, met, he, be, he comes back to these points and, and wants to to speak on them again and really to give us a challenge, to give the church in Colossae a challenge, to give us, the, the church, NYA, a challenge. How, how do we be that kind of community? And I want to look at that tonight. And, and so to do that, I want to read this. We're going to read through it, and then I want to come back and I want to begin to look at, uh, look at this in, in four parts. So Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful and praying for us too that God may open a door for our ministry so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ to which I am in chains. You remember Paul is in prison as he writes this letter. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I got to tell you, I, I've been prepping for tonight for a couple of weeks now, and I've been thinking and just meditating on this. And the longer I, I meditated on this, the more I thought about this. Uh, I started out like writing this, this talk, and then I, I basically like scrapped it because I'm like, no, 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 that's not it at all. I began to realize as I read this that I suck at this. That's, you know, God just really just said, Andy, you know, you actually suck at this. You know, I'd love to preach a sermon about how awesome I am at these things, but I can't do that. 
And maybe some of you can relate with me. And as I thought about this, I thought to myself, you know what? There are four particular things in here that I suck at. And, and I, that's what I want to talk about tonight, these four things. And, and I was thinking to myself, man, if, if Daniel was preaching this sermon, it would probably be five things he sucks at. But I mean, that's Daniel. If it was Tristan preaching this message, it would be we're still counting. So... But I mean, that's the life of an intern. That, by, by the way, I, we would love for you to be an intern sometime here at Northview. <laughs> it's such a great experience. <laughs> it's so encouraging. Tristan, we love you, man. We really do. But you suck. So <laughs> honestly, as, as I was just, by the way, I got to say, I got to throw, I got to throw, uh, I got to throw one more out here. Tessa, by the way, let's imagine Tessa was doing this sermon. If Tessa was doing the sermon, it would be annoying because Tessa doesn't suck at anything. She's like, oh. <laughs> no, we love Tessa. She's awesome. But not Daniel and Tristan. So honestly, as I was just praying about this, as I was meditating on this word, as I was thinking about it, I was like, man, I have so much I need to learn with regards to this. And notice how the apostle Paul begins this. He says, devote yourselves to this. Commit yourselves to being this kind of a community because the truth is, if we were all to be really honest, we really do stink at this. And, and as I look at this, you know, the first thing I see is devote yourselves to prayer. And I gotta be honest with you, my prayer life is not as it should. Listen, if I were to be totally honest with you, I suck at prayer. And one of the things that I really stink at with regards to prayer is prayer tends to be the last thing I do and not the first thing I do. See, I tend to be a naturalist when it comes to things in my life. I tend to seek out any sort of natural way to fix whatever's going on in my life. And if that doesn't work, the very last thing I'll do, I'll throw out a Hail Mary, right? My last resort is a prayer. God help, because I've tried to do it on my own and I keep failing, Lord. I, I remember uh, God began to teach me this uh, when I first got into ministry, when I first got into ministry, you know, I had graduated from Bible college and I was, you know, loving Jesus, loving the Bible. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm pretty spiritual, dude. I'm doing good stuff here. I'm, I'm working at a church. And I took a group of people on a missions trip. I'm leading them. And I'm leading them into the Andes Mountains of, uh, for those of you that are interested, it's a very remote part of the Andes Mountains on the corner of Bolivia, Argentina, and Chile. And I'm, I'm taking a group of people into the heart of the Andes and going village to village sharing the gospel. And at this point, we were deep. We were incredibly remote in the Andes mountains. And along the trail as we're walking, we're, we have backpacks on, we're hiking from village to village. All of a sudden, one of the guys I'm leading sits down. He grabs a bush and he just begins to barf in it like a lot. It was really disturbing and I remember thinking to myself, oh man, what am I going to do? He's got a backpack that he needs to hike. He needs to actually move his body to the next village. We're in the middle of nowhere. And as I began to think about what am I going to do? How am I going to solve this situation? I ended up uh, sending, by the way, my wife, Nancy, is here too. She was actually on that missions trip. I ended up sending 
my wife and the rest of this team at the missionary to the next village. And I said, listen, I'll stay back with him. I'll, I'll nurse this guy back to health. His name was Matt. So I'll, I'll nurse him back to health. And then I'll try to you know, get to this next village that I've never been to, by the way. In the Andes Mountain, I don't know where I am. You know, and I said, if you can, if you could send back help, that would be awesome. And my buddy, Darren, that was with me, he said, Andy, I'm going to stay back with you. I'm going to help you. And so we ended up needing to hike. So we were on the side of a mountain. We had to go and hike to a place that we could set up a camp, that there was even some water. And we needed to, to begin to care for this guy. You know, and I remember it wasn't until that night, until I tried to do everything in my power, until I realized that I was completely helpless and then I began to, and it wasn't even my idea. My buddy Darren said, he looked at me, he goes, Andy, he goes, we should probably pray about this. <laughs> and I remember just thinking, I'm an idiot. Here I am, like I went to Bible college. Uh, I, I'm, I'm following Jesus. I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm leading a missions trip. And the last thing I think about is prayer. I suck at praying. So there uh, that night, God taught me, he humbled me, and I began to pray. Daniel, Darren and I uh, and Matt, you know, we, we just we started praying and just said, you know, God help. Uh, after we ended that prayer, I just felt like God was telling me to, to turn the radio on. I know that might sound weird, but we had carried a radio with us uh, that played tapes. That tells you when this all took place. Uh, so, and it was, a, it was a ministry tool, but it also had a radio. And I thought, hey, it'd be kind of interesting to see what kind of radio I can catch out here in the middle of the Andes Mountains. And uh, I pulled out the antenna and I began to play. And sure enough, who's playing out in the middle of the Andes? Shakira. Yeah, I'm rocking out to Shakira in the middle of the Andes Mountains. And towards the end of that song... All of the sudden, out of the darkness, there is no lights, there is no human beings anywhere around. Out of the darkness comes this giant white horse right through our camp. And I'm thinking to myself, the Lord has come. Like, this is the end. It was like revelation, like, here it is. Jesus has come on a white horse. And uh, I'm freaking out. He comes in, and then there's this guy comes, this, this uh, Argentine man. He's speaking Spanish. I took Spanish in college. I can speak Tarzan Spanish. He's talking... And he begins to tell me this. He said, listen, I was sent to you from the village. Your, your friends made it. And they sent me, and I've been walking through the night to try to find you. And he said, and I began to pray, God, please help me to find these foreigners in the Andes Mountains in the darkness. I can't see them. And he said, and then I began to hear music. <laughs> and it led me right to you. And, and it was like one of those moments where I'm like, I'm such an idiot. Why is it, guys, that prayer is the last thing we do and not the first thing that we do? Listen, God is teaching me, and I pray that he will be teaching us that we need to stop sucking at praying, that we need to make prayer something that we are devoted to, that we challenge ourselves and we make sure that we're spending time in prayer. And listen, as a community, we want to be a people that pray. We want to be a people that pray because we know that God listens God hears our prayers and he wants us to pray and he wants to be and walk with us. But do you believe that? We need, to, we need to devote ourselves to prayer. Notice what Paul says next here. He says, devote yourselves to being thankful. Sorry, that's, not, that's the third one. Devote yourselves to being watchful. 
is what he said. Being watchful. Again, I don't know about you, but I suck at being watchful. Notice, by, by the way, you're probably wondering what's Paul saying be watchful of. In verse 3, he, he gives you an idea of what he's talking about. And pray for us too, he says. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. He's saying, be watchful about what's going on in your community and the issues that are going on in other people's lives. Listen, life isn't all about you. But you and I, that's what we tend to do. We tend to be completely narcissistic. We tend to be completely consumed with ourselves. And we tend not to listen to each other. How often is it that we've been in conversations and we've been talking the whole time? God like taps you on the shoulder and goes, Andy, when are you going to start listening? Andy, when are you going to actually ask that person how they're doing? When are you going to ask what's going on in your life? When are you going to ask, how can I pray for you? When are you going to ask, hey, how is your relationship with the Lord doing? Is there anything that I can be praying for you about? You know, listen, that, that requires us to be watchful. One of the things I love, by the way, at the Steiger house is uh, we have a hot tub. I bought this bad boy on Craigslist for 200 bucks. Best $200 I've ever spent in my life, okay? We put this thing in our backyard, and my wife and I, we have, we have Steiger time in there. My wife and I, we sit in the hot tub, and we just talk. But I tell you, it's one of those moments. I, that's one of the things I love. By the way, when you get married, get yourself a hot tub, okay? It's great for your marriage, But even there in the hot tub, yo, come on now. (laughs) Not that good. (laughs) Yeah, if you get, make sure it's in a private location. Okay. (laughs) Now that I've totally lost you. (laughs) Be watchful. Okay, I'm going to just pass on the whole hot tub thing because that's just going downhill. (laughs) In marriage. You need to listen to each other. You need to be thinking about more than just yourself. Just uh, two nights ago, a buddy of mine called me up and he said, hey, Andy, I want to talk to you. He said, I'm, I'm applying for a church, lead pastor role at, at a church. My buddy's name's Dave. And I was just saying, oh man, Dave, that, that's awesome. And, I, and I, just, I just listened to my friend. At the end of that, at the end of listening and being watchful of what's going on in his life, what I could pray for, I said, listen, Dave, can I just pray for you? Can I just, man, if there's one thing you walk away from from hearing me tonight, it would be this. If you could just get better at being watchful, what's going on in your friends' and family's lives, what's going on in this community, and if you would just take action and just pray for that person right there. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in saying, hey, I'll pray for you, right? Hey, I'll pray for you. Just pray for them right now. There there I was with my buddy last night, two nights ago. Dave, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to keep praying for you, but I'm going to just pray for you right now. Prayer isn't something you have to do later, something you can do right now, but that's only going to happen if you're watchful to what's going on in people's lives. Listen, I want to, I want to challenge some of you. Some of you come to NYA, and you come here thinking that NYA is all about you. That's not a community. Community isn't all about you. Community is about people that are willing to listen and be watchful of what's going on in other people's lives, And that means also that you're going to need to be vulnerable. It means that you're actually going to need to share with people what's going on in your life, and you're actually going to need to tell them the sorts of things you need them to pray for you about, but then listen to what they need you to pray for them about. That's the kind of community that we want to be here. You're going to need to devote yourself to that because it doesn't come naturally to us. It's a challenge. 
Paul also says in this one, this, by the way, this was, this was the point in me preparing for tonight that God grabbed a hold of my heart and said, Andy, you stink. And, and I began to rethink this whole thing and how I'm going to talk about this. And it was devote yourselves to being thankful. Are you thankful? I tell you, I stink at being thankful. It is so easy to get caught up in our entitlement culture, isn't it? We're so entitled, we don't even think we're entitled. We're so unthankful, we don't even think that we're unthankful. You know how it happened for me uh, is this last week, some of you may have known that I was at the Evangelical Philosophical Society or Evangelical Theological Society. It was... um, it was in Rhode Island, so we flew into Boston, drove to Rhode Island, but then I needed to go back to Boston because at the same time as uh, another conference I needed to go to, part of my PhD work. And so I'm in Boston, and, and a guy from Paul Jakes Canada, his name's Terry, he came along with me. And we made, we made the crucial, crucial error of booking a hotel but not reading the reviews. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, I didn't know that I had picked a hotel in Boston that was in the heart of darkness, okay? That it was, I walked there in the middle of the day, and it was beyond sketchy as I'm walking down the street. Walking down the street, I saw many people, like, I don't even know what was all going on. We, I, saw, I saw people that were doing drugs, People that were passed out doing drugs. There were multiple times where I'm like, should I be calling an ambulance? Um, This is really bad. I saw a lot of homelessness. I saw a lot of mental illness. And as I got closer and closer to my hotel, it got worse and worse and worse. Until a point in which I'm in the middle of the day thinking to myself, I might get mugged here. Like, I might not make it to the Best Western. And then I get to the Best Western and there is a prostitute and a pimp having a fight. I have to like go around them to get in the door. I get in the door of the Best Western and there are homeless people in the lobby. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, what hotel have I got myself? I paid $230 for this hotel, I'm thinking in my mind. I go up to my room and the first thing that I do in my frustration as I read the reviews and the things that people have said, one of the reviews caught my attention was, I was up from three until four in the morning at this hotel, listening to the drug addict in the alley screaming. I'm like, great. And then I looked, by the way, and on the counter were complimentary earplugs. I kid you not. And I'm like, I, what have I done? Am I even going to make it? Right? And you, you know what, guys? The whole time I go through that experience, what am I thinking? I'm thinking about my entitlement. I'm incredibly unthankful. I'm not thinking to myself, how, hey, lucky am I that I get to go to this conference or the other stuff that I'm doing or whatever it is. No, no, no. I'm frustrated because there are people that are broken in a broken world and how dare me have to deal with the filth of the brokenness of our world. What, did I think to pray for those people? Did I think to engage at all with them? Not at first, no. Not until God, I'm there in my hotel room, right, prepping for my sermon about how thankful you gotta be, right? And I'm like, I'm a dirtbag. Like, I'm not thankful. I'm upset, right? Because I'm entitled. I'm entitled not to be around this. It's not something that just I experience. I think that we all experience this. It's so easy, by the way, to point our finger at other people and say, man, no, those are the entitled people. That's what God did, by the way. The next day, I took, a, I took an Uber. I had to Uber everywhere because of my hotel. I took an Uber to Harvard 
and I'm walking around Harvard and I'm thinking to myself at Harvard, man, these are a bunch of entitled people, you know, man, there's a lot of pride going on at Harvard. And again, God's like, are you kidding me, Andy? There is a lot of pride going on right here. You know, you, you are messed up, Andy. So easy to point our finger to all oh, those are the entitled people. All oh, those are the prideful people. No, 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 it's happening right here. You're going to need to devote yourselves to thankfulness because we fight this right here. I'm telling you right now, we will never be a community of prayer. We'll never be a community of watchfulness. We'll never be a community of thankfulness until it starts right here in each one of us. It starts here. It was interesting. I was reading a book by uh, a professor from Harvard. And this is what he talked about, about how God had to teach him about how broken he was. His name is Henry Nguyen. He wrote an autobiography and in it, he said this, he said, my moment from Harvard to Larsh, and that, that is a, um, it's a, it's a, a, a place in which they work with uh, those suffering from mental illness and uh, physical disabilities. He said, made me aware in a new way how much my own thinking about Christian leadership had been affected by, listen to this, had been affected by the desire to be relevant, the desire for popularity, and the desire for power. Listen, he's saying, listen, I was a Harvard professor and I went from there to burnout and I went to serving people with disabilities. And he says, and when God took me here, he began to, to open my eyes to help me to realize how broken I am. That I am somebody that is consumed with being relevant, popular, and powerful. Listen, I'm telling you right now, that is every single one of us. He then goes on to say, too often I look at being relevant, popular, and powerful as ingredients of an effective ministry. The truth, however, is that these things are not vocations, but temptations. Jesus asks, do you love me? Jesus sends us to be shepherds, and Jesus promises a life in which we increasingly have to stretch out our, our hands and be led to places we would rather not go. Take up your cross and follow me. And I began to think, by the way, when I read that the Apostle Paul is in prison when he encourages the church of Colossae to devote themselves to thankfulness. I'm in a hotel I don't like, and I can't be thankful. Paul's in prison. He's devoting himself to thankfulness. Listen, the truth is you and I are going to go through challenges in our lives. And if we can't learn to be thankful in the easy times, how on earth do we think that we're going to be thankful in the difficult times when we have to stretch out our hands, when we need to take up our cross and follow after Jesus wherever that leads us? And I'm telling you right now, it's going to lead you to some broken places in our world. He goes on to say, he asks us to move from a concern for relevance to a life of prayer, from worries about popularity to communal and mutual ministry. And from a leadership built on power to a leadership in which we critically discern where God is leading us and our people. That's the kind of community that we want to be. 
We want to have a Colossians 1 vision as we together devote ourselves to prayer, as we devote ourselves to faith and hope and love, that we would be a place that is watchful of what's going on in each other's lives, that we would be praying for each other, and that together we would be thankful. And lastly, number four, Paul says um, in verse uh, three, that we would proclaim the mystery of Christ. And he says that we would be, um, in verse five, that we would be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders And now notice this, to make the most of every opportunity. To make the most of every opportunity that God gives you. I was so encouraged this this evening, by the way, before you came at 6.30 or 6 o'clock, we were praying for each other as a leadership team. And and our leadership team just went around the circle and many of them just said, listen, God gave me the opportunity to share the gospel. God gave me the opportunity to share the gospel. God gave me the opportunity to share the gospel. I've got the opportunity to share about Jesus. Do you take those opportunities? I'm so proud of my leadership team. They're taking the opportunities that God is giving them and being faithful to talk about the love that they have for Jesus. Will you do the same? Listen, one of the things that, uh, that I've had the opportunity of doing is teaching. And I was teaching a class at PLBC. Maybe we have some, do we have any PLBC students here or maybe post students? Okay, a couple. All right, there we go. I taught... Uh, I taught a couple different courses out there. I taught apologetics and I taught world religions. And in this one class I was teaching, I was talking about sharing the gospel. And I know this might sound really bizarre, but part of the class was about actually sharing the gospel. And that seemed like crazy to some people. And in fact, this is the way that I structured the final exam. As I said, listen, the final exam is gonna be like this. When you come in, you're gonna have a written test. But periodically we're gonna have certain, each one of you is going to have the opportunity while you're taking the test to set it down. You're going to go. We've got a room set aside. And I said, listen, I'm bringing my friend Steve and Steve is a Buddhist. And I said, and I want you to share the gospel with Steve. And I said, and listen, if Steve becomes a Christian, you're getting extra credit. I did. People were losing their minds. They were so afraid of this. By the way, the person I brought was Steve Kim, who works with me at Apologetics Canada. He's Korean, so I figured they'll believe he's, that he's a Buddhist, right? Which, which he hammed it up, and as these poor students walk in the room, he's doing this. And li- listen, my students were losing their minds. I had two girls in particular. One came up to me weeping, just weeping in fear and begging me, saying, please, Professor Steiger, you know, don't let me, you know, I, I really don't want to do this assignment. I, I'll take the test. I'll do anything, but I don't want to go in there and share the gospel with that Buddhist Steve guy. <laughs> and me being the compassionate professor said, you're doing it anyways. <laughs> and then the other girl came up. She didn't have tears, but she was terrified and said, I really, really don't want to go do this. And again, you're doing it. And each one of them would go into the room and and share the gospel with Steve and have a conversation with him about their love for Jesus. And Steve would challenge them on what they said. And at the end of it, Steve would tell them, listen, I'm actually a Christian. I love Jesus. And would say, listen, when you share the gospel, maybe you should do this or that and give them a little bit of pointers. 
I remember the next class, those two girls came up to me. And the one girl, they were both completely torn apart by that experience. They said, listen, Andy, they said, I went home and said, I just had to, I went and I sat on my couch and I had a time with the Lord. And one girl in particular, she, she looked at me and she said, Andy, I, I realized last week that I'm ashamed of Jesus. She said, I've been destroyed by this this last week. She said, but Andy, I don't want to be ashamed of Jesus anymore. She goes, why? Why am I so afraid to talk about Jesus? Why am I so afraid to tell people about Jesus and whom I love so dearly and who has, who has changed my life? Listen, you don't need to be ashamed of Jesus. And I, I want to encourage you to devote yourselves to the opportunity that God gives you to share about your love for him. That might be anywhere. One of our, one of our leaders, I think it was Sarah, was telling me that she's a nanny in the, in the where are you, Sarah? Oh, there, back in the back. She's nannying, and, 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 her, and the mom said, listen, you can tell my daughter about, about Jesus. You can tell her about Christmas. I give you permission. Tell her about it. So are you going to take that opportunity? Of course Sarah's going to take that opportunity. Why? Because she loves Jesus. Wants to tell people about Jesus. I don't know what God's going to do in your life or the opportunities he's going to give you. It might be on a plane. It might be somebody at work. Who knows what it's going to be, but will you take those opportunities? Listen, that's the kind of community that we want to be. We want to celebrate as we share about the wonderful hope that we have in Jesus and that we do more than that, that we invite people into this community. Listen, I've said this before and I really want you to get this. You have more than just a personal relationship with Jesus. You have a communal relationship with Jesus. We together have a relationship with Jesus. We pray individually, we pray corporately. We're watchful individually, we're watchful corporately. We are thankful individually and we are thankful corporately. We together have an individual and a personal relationship with Jesus. And it's my desire that we would work together, that we would serve Jesus together, that we would build a community together that honors him. Amen? And I am thankful that God's doing this. And as I close tonight, I just want to share for you something that I read this week. I got a leadership application from a Jua. And here's a picture of Jua. And by the way, she knows that I'm sharing this with you. But I, I read this. This was part of her leadership application. I read this and this just spoke to me because this is exactly what I'm talking about tonight. This is exactly the kind of community that I want. Look what, look what she said. She said, being at NYA last year was prayers answered. Before returning from YWAM, one of the things that I really prayed for was to find a young adult community that was so in love with God and his word. Since my home church didn't have this, I started searching online and came across NYA. It, it, uh, it did take a year for me to build up the courage to attend NYA event, but I've never looked back ever since, which all brings me back to why I want to be involved with this ministry. The way my cousin, Marcilla, and I were welcomed into this community blew my mind away. We felt so loved and welcomed that the only explanation behind it for me was that God was at work. 
And as weeks and months went on, and as our community started growing at NYA, I realized that God has gone above and beyond to answer my little prayer request. Therefore, I love that she put this, therefore, what I want for the young adults who walk through those doors is to feel that same warmthness, love, and care that I felt at NYA. I want them to get a sense of what a God-centered community looks like. And finally, I want them to be encouraged to dive into the word and get a greater understanding of who God is. All in all, I want to be involved with this ministry because it has poured so much into my life the past year and I think I'm ready to pass it on through God's strength and guidance. Amen? That's the kind of ministry we want. That's the kind of community we want to be. Would you please help us to be that kind of community? Let's devote ourselves to that. And we're going to start tonight with Daniel. He's going to lead us in a prayer together.